When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Goldmine Magazine podcast. I'm editor Pat Prince and today we'll be talking to Lizzie Borden, the theatrical rock frontman for Lizzie Borden. A lot of listeners will remember Lizzie Borden, a little bit of a heavy metal Alice Cooper, if you will. And we'll be talking to him about his return, his first album in 11 years. It's called My Midnight Things, and it'll be on Metal Blade Records. And we will talk to Lizzie right after this message. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Lizzie, how are you doing? How are you, man? Uh, I'm doing good. It's really it's, good. It's been a long time. I, yeah, uh, tell me about it. Well, anyway, it's good good to talk to you again. Um, Great talking to you, too. So this is the first first album in 11 years. I guess the obvious question is why the wait for a studio album? <laughs> well, I just... Uh, we were touring, and we never... You know, there was... I released uh, Deal with the Devil, and I released Appointment with Death, and, you know, the, the, the music industry kind of collapsed. Yeah. And those albums just kind of went out there. A lot of people don't even know they exist. And it just didn't seem like, what's the point, you know, if I'm making a record and it's not finding the audience that might want to, that might like it, you know. So without marketing and without uh, uh, any system in place, which at that point there wasn't any, uh, I, I said there was just no point in making a record, so I just concentrated on touring and, uh, you know, finding new fans and uh, and really touring all around the world. And that's what, I, that's what I've been doing. But I miss being a recording artist, and uh, Brian Slagle from Metal Blade uh, had convinced me that the business is different now, and uh, they have systems in place now to properly uh, market a record and, and get it out there. So... He convinced me to, to to do it again, and like I said, I was uh, missing being a recording artist, so um, yeah. I was happy to 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 try and get back into this. Well, for a time there, making money was just uh, basically touring. Um, it still is, kind of. Um, but one thing that helped is the resurgence of vinyl as a product. Um, and you're releasing lots of colored vinyl, which is you know pretty cool. That's popular now. Uh, for midnight, my midnight things, um, what do you think about the resurgence of vinyl? Do you do you find it interesting? Do you, what's your opinion of it? I think it's absolutely. 
absolutely amazing that uh, especially uh, the young kids that are buying it you know in a million years I wouldn't think it would ever, that format would ever come back and I really missed it when it went away I mean I remember going into a record shop to go buy some records and it wasn't selling records anymore it turned over that fast and uh, it was you know shocking so to see young kids embrace uh, a bygone technology is absolutely amazing and uh, so yeah I'm, I'm glad it's back you know in whatever however whatever uh, however big it gets it doesn't matter it's it's actually really interesting it's it's against all odds that it would come back yeah but uh, the, the fact that it is is uh, really cool well for an artist like you uh, I know you're influenced by obviously Alice Cooper but even when you look back at those albums they, they had a lot going on in the presentation the big album cover art you know gate folds you know things included he was he was a visual and theatrical artist like you are yourself so you could do a lot of things with vinyl that you can't do with the mp3 uh, output you know so i think the, the tangible plays into that it does i mean you know you're trying to convey you know in my my in, from my point of view I'm a theatrical artist and uh, when you can't you know you put out a record you don't have you know when it's so small or it's just digital format you have no way of letting someone who's never heard of you know who you are and, right. and, but with a full album you can see the full layout and exactly uh, what kind of entertainer you are which is it was it was always so great you know and that's why the format was so great for so long uh but it's great to be back to have it back and to be able to uh go down that road again and try to you know you know i was personally involved in all the layouts for for my midnight things uh just like i was for all the other ones but Mm. it's uh it's great to, to 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 go down that road again with this with this format now you produced the album and with the drummer joey joey scott you you said you had doubts that you could find a producer who would understand the material. Why is that? Because my influences are from the 70s, you know, and, and those were all, you know, that's what I grew up on. And I, this album especially, I wanted to uh, make sure that I stayed true to that. Right. And doing that, uh, you know, you look around and there was some great producers that I would love to work with, but most of them are retired or, or they're on the verge of it. And we didn't know if they were capable Right. Uh, at this point in time, you know, did they did they keep up with everything? You know, and all the young ones uh, are not influenced by the '70s, and yeah. so I didn't want to take a chance of finding a producer that's that's going to try and uh, you know do some updating to my thoughts because I already knew what I wanted to do. So, uh, well, you, you pulled know. it off, man, because it oh, sounds great. Um, I've only heard a few tracks, but what I've heard, especially the title track, I mean, that's that's traditional metal and i think that's uh, a lot there it's starting to gain ground again because metal has become almost too extreme when things come too extreme um it, it loses um something you know what i mean that, a lot of stuff yeah, is that, in the subtleties um that was that's exactly my thought on it you know yeah. every even bands that look like they were a pop band are still using the extreme guitars yes. or the extreme drums you know yes. the typewriter. and I'm like you know this doesn't work anymore for me you know it never really did but I mean I could see how it started out but really it's been watered down so much that 
and I've never been interested in that, you know. So it's about it balance, just, and you got you have balance with metal and melody, and that's yeah, yeah, and you know something your vocals have held up. If not, they're just as good, if not better, than they were, man. I don't know how you've managed to keep them in shape because it's from what I hear very hard. Um, a lot of singers lose it, you know, that ability. Yeah, I I don't know why some of my favorite singers have have lost the step, uh, and I don't know why that is, um, and I don't know why it didn't happen to me, <laughs> but uh, I hope it never does, you know. I'm, I'm So far I've been able to do what I wanted to do on this record, hit all the notes that I wanted to hit, and so I didn't really have any problems at all. Yeah, you've always been oh, able I, to, and... This this sounds like, and this is a compliment. My Midnight Thing sounds like an old Queensrÿche track, which is, you know, obviously Jeff Tate was one of the best um, metal singers, and you know, I I think that's what it sounds like. The sort of stomp, the sort of uh, melodic, not too much melody, but just enough. Um, it had it all down. Well, I, I'm not influenced by Queensrÿche in the least, but I thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I mean, I, I have demos but way before that band was uh, together. Yeah. And my voice just sounds the same as it does now. Oh, uh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not compa- I'm not comparing you in that way. I'm just saying that it's... Yeah, it's I, less... know, I know what you're saying, and I, um, I appreciate it. But I want to go back, since it's been 11 years, and um, I want to go back to the beginning, because um, you said that you felt that you were pushing the reset button, and this was a new beginning, but I wanted to go back to the beginning. Now... For those who don't know, and new listeners just getting into you, um, and I never asked you this question, you spell your name differently than the actual Lizzie Borden. Was there a reason why? Well, because when I, you know, the reason why I wanted a character's name was because of, you know, uh, Kiss, you know, Paul Stanley, Alice Cooper, everybody, and Alice Cooper, David Bowie, yeah. you know, uh, Fee Waybell, who changed his name on, you know, to different things. And yeah. I, I just, I knew I wanted to do that. And at that moment in time, in the early 80s, uh, Splatterflix was everything, you know. Yes. So I, I knew that I wanted to bring horror on stage. And Alice Cooper had been retired for five years. So there was really no one out there doing it, uh, you know. Yeah. And there was like a little niche group of Wasp, uh, me, and uh, Bitch, you know. They, yes. were, they were the only people, we were the only people doing theatrical rock at that time. Right. And, uh so yeah, I mean, so I, when I found the name, I, you know, it, it, a lot of people didn't never heard of Lizzie Borden because right. it had already been you know 100 years or whatever it was at the time. So it kind of it was a folk tale that kind of was fading out of uh, you know. It's only recently popped up in movies and and, and TV and all that. So yeah, I, I never really wanted to, anything to do with it. I just wanted the name and the uh, the. Uh, the strange aspect of it that just seemed perfect for me and I never other than bringing the axe on stage which I did for an entirely different reason uh, you know it was more about horror films and it wasn't it had nothing to do with the original Lizzie Borden I, in fact I know very little about it about uh, the story in fact I didn't know this but she was acquitted of her charges <laughs> yeah that's, that's what I know too she, she's, she's she's famous for not getting caught I guess you know <laughs> Well, well, yeah. Is it hard to take on a persona? You know, live as that persona. I know Alice Cooper has, 
Um, you know, because you kind of become that off stage too, you know, when fans recognize you. Um, it's a different dynamic. Yeah. It was easy for me. I mean, the 80s were the, was was an easy time to do anything you wanted. And, right. And I lived in Hollywood, so, you know, I really could do anything I wanted, and that's right. what I wanted to do. So, and, uh, you know, so I've been Lizzie longer than I've been anything else. So it's, uh, it, it's you know, it was easy in the 80s. You know, when the when the music industry you know dips and 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 goes back and forth, it's a little more interesting. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean when I you know my first band I ever saw was Kiss. Yep. And you know all four of those guys changed their name in some way. So uh, that was really what inspired me. You know to 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 find a character, find a name, and pl- and and play it. And they took on it. that character, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gene Simmons, watching Gene Simmons uh, be fully invested in a in a character was so different than anything that I had seen up until that point. That's just it. So well, I I wanted that same thing. I wanted to be full full blown into character. Right. And uh, and when Kiss know, took off the <laughs> when Kiss took off the makeup, it just wasn't the same. <laughs> yeah, you could see that, that that you know they didn't even know what to do. Right. It was <laughs> you know it was. There was no no. They created these characters and they, and not playing them was just you know it was very strange. So they had the same uh, you know ability to play, but it just wasn't the it wasn't as fun. It just wasn't yeah. as fun. Um, and they just became a regular band like like most other bands and stuff. Right. You know you know something else. Do you, now do you are you're also you're also influenced by horror movies. Obviously, what I mean, do you bring that when you do your stage show? Are you influenced by a particular horror movie that you've seen? Do you incorporate it somehow into the stage show? Is there a favorite? Um, well, I mean, I started out that way. I mean, it, it, you know, at the very beginning, it was horror and you know, for the Lovey to Pieces album. And then when the Menace album came out, I got into like Clockwork Orange and and mm. um 1984 and and movies like that and that helped influence that but yeah movies in general uh inspire me to write uh different you know whatever topic i want to talk about and uh so you know with every album i've done something different and right. it wasn't always horror you know sometimes you know so it's more you know uh stanley kubrick more than uh right than John Carpenter, but uh, I love them both, and I've done, you know, I've definitely borrowed from both and, and, and put it into you know, my thoughts. And going back to the subtleties again, I think, look, uh, when you see a movie like Psycho, the fact that you don't actually see the stabbing is more terrifying, I think, than, you know, when we're talking about subtlety, then now, you know, you see everything. So Yeah, it's a whole <laughs> different world now. now I mean... They just went. That was that was the whole premise of the, a lot of those splatter flicks. It was just like, yes. okay, we're the story's going to be very similar to the last one, and uh, we're going to do the same things, and you know that's what people expected, and it, got, it burned out really quickly. But yeah. the thrillers are where they don't show you what's going on, right. makes you more terrified, and you know, so that that stuff is amazing, and I love it. Yeah. Now. I remember buying the uh, Metal Massacre album you were on. I think uh, the song was Rod of Iron, right? And, yeah, it was uh, the first, first song. Yeah, and that had a big play because people really love those compilations, Metalheads. Um, so that that had to spring, be one of the big... I mean, it helped Metallica, right? Even though their name was spelled wrong on the first... Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, did Brian Slagle was kind of just he would approach uh, bands and you were you were in that area and he he would approach bands and ask them to be on these compilations, which were very which were very popular to metalheads. Yeah, I mean it was uh, in fact I was the one approached him because uh, we were rehearsing at a studio and. uh, and someone came in and, and heard us and, and thought we were great and mm. said, you know, there's there's a, a guy putting out, um, you know, albums and he, he said, independent label, you should go check him out. And they told me where he was. He worked at a record store. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, Joey and I went down there and, and uh, you know, I went over to the counter and I asked this guy, I go, hey, there's a guy here that uh, does, is, is, uh, has a small record label. And he goes, yeah, it's me. And I go, okay, well, I, you know, I'm a band. I have... <laughs> songs and, he, and so i handed him the demo and he played it right there on the spot and then uh you know we were joey and i were looking through records just because we didn't think we would hear back from him for a while but it, it was startling that, that he was playing it right in there right in the whole uh, uh record store but then he came back and said i love this one of these songs will be on the next metal massacre if you wow. want and then that's how it all started wasn't it amazing back then i used to collect demos how popular metal demos were back then <laughs> you, oh yeah you could get popular just from the circulation of that metal demo <laughs> so, yeah there was a, a definitely a, a infrastructure happening uh from north america to 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 europe and it and back and it kind yeah. of circulated all these uh a lot of bootlegs and whatever else, but it actually helped bands more than hurt them. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a great way of um, discovering bands because if, you're, if your buddy found something that you never heard of, you knew it was probably good, so you're going to give it a listen. And that's kind of really cool com- compared to now where you have to, like, you know, you have to, to, to um, almost buy someone a coffee to give a listen to, some, to, a, uh, to a band they've never heard. <laughs> It's a, it was a lot different back then. As far as music collecting, collecting demos was very, it was very cool back then. It was like a scene unto itself. <laughs> oh yeah, and they, you know, they printed those in vinyl too. You know, oh, yeah. I had a lot of, I had a lot of stuff that was, uh, you know, just full on bootlegs of, of big bands, small bands, unknown bands, whatever. Right. It was, it was amazing. Now, out of all your uh, discography. Um, I think Master of Disguise probably was most popular. It has a cult following. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it's our biggest selling record by far. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'd say it's, you know. And a lot of people are comparing My Midnight Things with Master of Disguise. Yeah, I can really see. Cool. Yep. And then the 90s came, unfortunately, and uh, metal fell out of favor. Um, there's lots the hair bands they claim killed it, but... Um, <laughs> You guys were never glam. I mean, if if you guys were glam, then I see Alice Cooper band as being glam, and that's not really the case. You were, you were theatrical. Um, to me, you're still. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, my influences were uh, Cooper, Bowie, and Kid. Yeah, all those were part of the glitter rock movement of the seventies. Glitter rock, I would call right. Yeah, yeah. Glitter rock was more. Um, it was a little different. It was more street. And yes. glam rock was all the really pretty boys. Someone like Bowie was able to to go do you know go on both sides of that fence. But you know, someone like Kiss, obviously, uh, it was more about the glitter rock aspect, and right. that's kind of what I grew up on. You know, and, and I love the glam stuff of, in in England too. I, you know, that was 
some of the greatest songs ever written by a lot of those bands, and yeah. they all felt, you know, even Queen fell under that moniker. So, right, sure. Uh, you know, so, I, I, you know, I, I, we've been, <laughs> people that have no idea where, what category to put us in, no. and I'm fine with that. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mind that confusion. I'm, That's I'm the best right way to it. be. That's the best place to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is because I hate this categorization sometimes and I I fall into myself. I have to, you know, when I write a story, I have to say, "Oh, this it sounds like this or that," but really I hate it. Um Yeah. And that's and that's the tragedy of uh of a lot of these things, even in movies, you know, you stick them in this little box and then yeah. people don't even go look in that box because they're not interested in that genre. And sometimes they're so they got it so wrong that uh, that uh, you know that's what that's the biggest problem with categorizing uh, music. Right. You know? When it, I walk really into a, a record store, I want to see everything under rock. I don't want to see yeah. metal and punk their own sections. I I'd rather see everything exactly. just under rock. And that's the way it should be uh, on social media too, but it's not. And right. You know, one day it will be, I hope, but uh, who knows? People really like it nice and tidy, you know, in their own little categories. But, you know, who knows? But you were in that, you were in that whole 80s, late 80s L.A. scene. And if I can remember, you were also into that, you were in the decline of Western civilization, right? With Wasp. Yeah. And, yeah. We're, we're, the, we're the first band on there. That's right. Holy cow. <laughs> We, that she filmed, she filmed us more than anybody. We were going to be the feature band, but uh, as she was going and it, as the movie started getting hyped while she was making it, she ended up getting Aerosmith and you know a lot of bigger bands. So once she Ozzy, had that, right. she had to cut a lot of our stuff out, of course. And uh, it, 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 but we were really a, a huge feature in that movie. But she cut us down, which I was happy about because I had no idea that the movie was going to be more about the local uh, scene, you know, local fan scene more than more than the the actual bands. And it was a bit so, sensational, you know. So yeah, it was. She was trying to to see these, you know, the the more extreme uh, responses of fans and how they, you know, that whole that whole aspect of it. When I did the, all of my interviews with her, I thought it was going to be about, you know, this great, amazing sunset strip scene that people, mm. you know, musicians from all over the world are coming to try and be famous, just like they did in, in old Hollywood to be an actor, you know. Mm. So it was, uh, I thought she was going that direction, and she ended up going a different direction. So I was happy with our segment, the way, what, what right. ended up on there. Right. Yeah, it became more of a rock, like a mockumentary almost you know it, it was just uh it was kind of, it, it embraced more of the negative i thought and uh i was never <laughs> i was yeah, never that much was, into uh, it. I thought, but you know some uh, a lot of the young fans don't see it that way yeah <laughs> oddly enough yeah, they, yeah. they love it you know they love the just any glimpse of the of that scene at that time is is worth you know wading through all the nonsense yeah. So uh, a lot of, especially in Europe, those kids love that movie. So so I'm I'm all good with it. Well, I know you you try to keep things you know um, intelligent and more classy because you even said yourself, lyrically. I, I'll quote this: lyrically, being graphic or grotesque would be too easy, and being overly morbid would bring nothing new to the concept. 
You're right. Yeah. This is what yeah, we were touching on before. <laughs> Yeah, and the, all those extreme bands go right for that, and they, you know there's a place for that, yeah. and it works. Yeah. But it, for me, I, for me, I just wanted it to be more interesting because I have a short attention span. <laughs> yeah. So I, I need we, it to be more interesting. I need to, uh, I need to hold to hold my attention. And if if you just go right for the throat in the first you know scene, then I'm pretty much not interested. Right. Because you, wh- how can you top that? So anyway, yeah. um, what's the tour going to look like? What What's the, uh, you know, I hear people uh, talking about what kind of, what musicians will be um, performing with you, what's the stage show going to be like. Is that all coming into play right now? Is that what you're developing? Yeah, I mean, right now, um, I, I, I'm working on the show right now, and uh, just <laughs> tweaking it and tweaking it, and, and I'm you know, messing. I'm actually having meetings with lots of uh, different effects people and everything. So I'm. This is probably going to be the biggest show we've done since Visualize, mm. which is saying something. That show was pretty huge. You know, the same people that built our show at the same time we're building the Kiss show right next, right in the same building for the for the Visualize tour. So this show seems like if everything keeps going the way it's going to go, it's going to be bigger than that show. So I'm absolutely excited and then as soon as you know as i get the production out and, and uh start dealing with uh the, the script of the show then i'll start looking for musicians but i didn't want to do anything until after the album's released because it's been 11 years so i really wanted the album to get out there and get people used to the to the songs because you know i i'm someone that plays the album you know or at least a good portion of it so I don't play two songs, you know, and then play my best of. I usually play, you know, at least, uh, you know, 75% of a, a brand new album. Right. So I've always done that, and I always will, because I, I just don't see going on tour to support an album and only playing one or two songs. That's that's ridiculous. So, <laughs> so yeah, it'll be the Midnight Things show, and it'll be a whole new show. And isn't that the hardest part, looking for the right... Uh, musicians to go on tour with um, well once I design the show then I'll find the right personalities that will fit within the show you know mm-hmm. I, I'm, I it's a given that most of these people are talented so it's just about personality and, and how they work uh, within the structure of the new show so it's actually you know very um, it's it's a lot more fun assembling a lineup now I mean I've had so many different lineups over the years mm. that uh, this this you know then some of them used to be you know very difficult to put together right but now it's a lot easier and plus I have the whole world to choose from not just my the people in my area you know so it's it's um, it's a lot easier finding good talent now especially since all, a lot of the younger uh, musicians out there are right. so good and so amazing. They're just, you know, just leap, leap years uh, against uh, uh, of what was happening uh, in the early 80s. Right. So uh, I, I find, I, I'm sure it's going to be no problem, you know. That's it, why I'm working on the show first, because I want the personalities to fit within right. the new show. Right, it's easier to vet people now, I would imagine, than it was. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to uh, get surprised by someone's personality <laughs> well yeah when you say personality you don't want someone with a lot of baggage <laughs> yeah yeah and, and you can find out all that really quickly before even even meeting them really so that's it's a, such a different time than the way i used to put up get lineups to 
together. Yes. You know, you'd have to do cattle calls. You had to do all these things. Right. You might like their playing, but then, you know, all of a sudden they're a nightmare, you know. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I do want a custom fit uh, for the new show. And right. The show is going to be so different than the last two shows that I've done, you know, where the lineup was a little a little looser. This one's yeah. going to be a lot tighter, not just playing-wise, but actually on stage. So... What's good is your stage look ha- has constantly evolved, you know, and that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. You know, uh, we did, uh, you know, after the Appointment with Death tour, we went on the uh, 30th anniversary tour, and both those tours were completely different from each other. Right. And, you know, those were the last two tours we've done, and uh, and and they were a lot of fun, and we found a whole new audience out there, really young kids who just loved, you know, discovered Lizzie Borden, so... I'm hoping to uh, bring the Midnight Things show to to all of them, plus all the older fans who maybe uh, fell out of touch with us for a while, and right. all of a sudden going, hey, you know, yeah. he has a new album out, you know. I think they will. Well, good luck with my Midnight Things, and um, I hope to see you in the New York, the, the tri-state area um, soon. I, I, I guess this album will be released in June, so I'd imagine you're probably having an August tour right is that about right we'll see we'll see yeah you know I'm, like i said we're on the show right now but we'll we'll have to uh, i just wrapped the video this morning for the first video yeah the only one i saw was the lyric video that's uh yeah well was... we just filmed the the first real video uh, uh the last over the last two days we finished it at six six thirty this morning and i got here uh and it was uh, it's going to be a pretty amazing video i'm really digging it so uh they're cutting it up right now and uh and turn it in and you know should be should be done by uh in a week or so well the irony is that videos are so much better than they were when mtv played videos <laughs> yeah oh for sure yeah. and this one uh this one is real we, we we did a lot we we had a big treatment for the for the for the video and uh we almost got every shot that we wanted. It was very ambitious, so more ambitious than any video we've ever done. Yeah. And we pretty much got almost every shot, and so it's pretty. Uh, it's going to be a lot in there. It's going to be cool. Well, I wish you all the best, man. I'll be rooting for the tour, and I hope to see it. And thanks for thanks for taking the time to do the interview. No problem, man. All right, Lizzie. I thank. Really, really, really good talking to you. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we're going to bring the tour around here soon. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a good day, man. Bye now. You too. Okay, thank you, Lizzie Borden. And listeners, don't forget to pick up his first album in 11 years, My Midnight Things on Metal Blade Records. It is out now. Okay, well, thank you for listening. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine. You can go to goldminemag.com and read exclusive interviews. And also there are giveaways, and there's also percentage off subscription price. And if you want to pick up Goldmine Magazine in print, please go to Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, or select record stores. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.